This morning's reading is from 1 John 2:28 to 3:3. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks, Ian, for reading that. I think in the style in which John wrote it. So I appreciate that very much. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the great gift of your Son and of new life in his his name as we trust in him. And Father, we pray now that just as by your Holy Spirit you breathed out the words that are in front of us in the scriptures, so you would breathe them into our hearts and lives and renew us, that by trusting in your Son we may know ourselves to be the children of God. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. When we began to teach our children about uh, what it means to be a child of God, uh, when they were very young and we were teaching them this, they took great delight uh, in saying to me on many an occasion, that means you're not the best daddy. Uh, When they were feeling slightly kinder, as they got a little bit older, they would say on good days, not usually at half past nine on a Sunday morning when they're being chased out of the door to get ready for church or indeed the equivalent time on Monday morning but on better times they would say you're the best daddy on earth but we have a daddy in heaven. Well I wonder if that's your experience. Do you know what it is to have God as your father? Uh, That actually whatever your experience of human fatherhood We all had human fathers. Perhaps some of you never knew your father. Perhaps some of you had a dreadful relationship with the man who was your biological father. Perhaps you cherished your father. Perhaps you are a father. And if you are a father, then you'll know what it is to have that deep love for your children, but also an abiding sense of inadequacy at rising to the challenge of loving and caring and leading our children as we should. We all have a mixed bag of experiences, and sometimes some very deep emotions and traumatic hurts when we think about fatherhood alongside, I hope for many of us, great joy as well. But here is something for all of us, whether we're men or women, young or old, whether we had a good relationship with our own father or never knew him, whether we are fathers ourselves or not, we can be children of God. And we can know God as our heavenly father. And a father who is better than even the best, wildest imagination of what a human father might be. 
Because God is a father uh, whose love never falters at all, whose wisdom is perfect, whose attention to us as his children never sleeps or slumbers. There is a God in heaven who made us and who in Jesus Christ calls us to know him as our loving heavenly father. And John is writing uh, his letter to Christians who already believe that. They know that uh, God is their father because they've trusted uh, in Jesus, who is God's son. Uh, That's why John uh, begins uh, this section we're looking at. Um, And now, dear children, continue in him. But what does it mean to actually become such that we might then be urged to continue Maybe there's some of you here uh, for the first time and who've not thought about this, or maybe you've been here many times but never really understood or believed that you could become a child of God. Well, John, in his gospel, teaches us how we can become the children of God. And then in his letter, John teaches us what it means to continue as God's children. We'll get there in a few moments. But first, how do we become God's children. Well, at the beginning of John's gospel, uh, John writes this about Jesus Christ, the true light that come that uh, gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There is such a thing as becoming a child of God. And John tells us here that that's not natural to us. Not everyone is a child of God. We are not born as children of God. In fact, when Jesus came into the world, by nature we rejected him. He was not recognized or received, he says. But to those who did receive Jesus, who did put their trust in him, well, John says, they are given the right. It's a powerful word. It translated elsewhere means authority. Uh, This is something that once given to you can never be taken away, whatever others may think of you or whatever you may think of yourself. He gave the inalienable right to become the children of God, to be born of God. Perhaps you're thinking, gosh, that's a bit of a big thing to think about this morning. Uh, not maybe thought about that, but this is the most wonderful gift in the history of the human race. The most wonderful gift in the world. And it's offered here by Jesus Christ to you this morning, or you on catch-up later on YouTube. To all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you're not a Christian yet, then talk to someone here who is, or a friend perhaps, Because this is the greatest thing, to know ourselves accepted by the Father, to become a daughter or son of our creator God, the Lord of the universe, and to know his unchanging and non-takeawayable love, that's not a word, but you know what I mean, as the children of God. To all who received him, he gave the right to become children 
of God. And so now we come to the passage we're looking at this morning because John is now writing to those who've done that. Uh, They've received Christ. They've trusted him to forgive them. Uh, They have begun to follow him uh, as their Lord. Uh, And so he writes, he says, uh, dear children, continue in him. So the way in which we become a Christian by receiving Jesus Christ and trusting him is the way we continue until our lives end. And it matters not whether you've been a Christian for 10 minutes or 50 years, the message is the same. What do I need to do when I wake up in the morning? I need to hear the message of the apostle, continue in Jesus. Continue trusting him today like I did yesterday. Because there are seasons in life. There are seasons in family life. We all know that. There are seasons in the Christian life as well. There are times when we don't feel very much like God loves us. There are times when rebellious uh, things come into our minds and into our lives. And there are other times when we feel so close to God as if nothing could ever take us away. Well, good day or bad, happy season or miserable one, the message is the same. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, then today continue in him is what John says, continue in him. And as we do that, uh, we discover, and this is the keynote uh, of these verses, these really are uh, sublime verses of Scripture this morning, we discover the blessings, the many blessings of being one of God's own children. Uh, If you've got the uh, Scriptures in front of you, you can have a look at it. I've put them on the screen uh, so you can see it as well. So, uh, dear children, he writes, continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed at his coming. Isn't that a wonderful phrase, confident and unashamed? If we're human parents, we want our children to grow up like that, don't we? We want them to be confident as they make their way into the world. We want them to know who they are and not be ashamed of who they are. Well, God, our Heavenly Father, wants the same for us, his spiritual children. He wants us to be confident and unashamed. That is not self-confident, able to walk into the job interview with a swagger and know you're going to take it uh, from the 15 other candidates who are there. Uh, This is a confidence before God that even though we know the reality that we keep getting it wrong, uh, even though other people may be uh, critical uh, or negative towards us, we are confident that we are the children of God and that when the judgment day comes, we will not be ashamed even though we will stand before the King of Kings with every thought of our entire lives laid before him. Every action, even the ones from decades ago uh, that you've tried to forget and you hope nobody else knows about, all laid before him. Every word spoken in public, in private, in the heart, all laid before God. How on earth can we be unashamed at that point? Well, because uh, John has taught us in his gospel, when Jesus comes, John the Baptist said this, uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We can be unashamed before God on the day of judgment because Jesus has taken away, has dealt with, has borne in our place every evil thought, word, and deed that we have ever committed, are committing now or will commit until the day that we die. He takes away the sin of the world. And as the high priest put it unwillingly, but he was the uh, the unwitting mouthpiece of God, uh, John tells us, 
uh, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So who are we? We are those who have our sin taken away and are brought together, gathered by Jesus into his family, the family of God, where we have sisters and brothers, because we our testimony is that we are together God's daughters and sons. Or as we've been learning in this letter already, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the one who turns aside the anger, the wrath of God, taking away our sins, and not only ours, but those of the whole world. This is the magnificence of God's love. Will you receive him if you haven't already? Because there's love here for you. There's an embrace here for you, even if you thought you never needed it. And even if you feared you could never receive it. But when we have, we continue, and that gives us confidence, and shame is gone. And so we can say, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. You have those little voices that speak to you uh, in your head. Uh, Sometimes those little voices are very, very unhelpful. Uh, Sometimes uh, they can tell us that we're marvelous when really we're not. Other times they can tell us we're rubbish when really we're not. Well, this is the voice of God. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Have you received Jesus Christ? Then you are loved. Loved more than your wildest dreams ever thought possible. Loved more than your darkest fears ever thought you were worthy of. The love of God, when we look at the cross, has been lavished on us. That as we simply trust in Christ and turn to him, we are adopted. We are received. We become the children of God. You see, there are two mistakes people make when we come to think about being God's children. And we've seen both reflected in the history of the church with this language of the children of God. Some are so narrow and exclusive Uh, as to say, unless you believe in the particular way that I do, you're not one of the children of God, and we don't want anything to do uh, with you and your lot. You're the the wrong denomination or the wrong this or the wrong that. No, have you received Jesus? You're a child of God. The other is the opposite extreme, and that says, well, God is Father to everyone, and we're all the children of God. Uh, You'll move on. It, It doesn't really mean anything. Well, that's not true either. The reality is, by nature, we are not the children of God because in our sinful hearts we reject Jesus Christ. It's only as he works his miracle in us and causes us to cry out, Jesus, you are my Lord and I trust you and I love you, that we know that newborn cry of being brought into the family of God. And we begin to discover the depths and the wisdom and the wonder of the love of God for us. Uh, That is what uh, we uh, are now. Notice how John emphasizes this twice. Uh, That is what we are, and then a couple of sentences later, now we are the children of God. Uh, This is not simply a future hope. If you trust in Jesus today, then today you are God's child. It's not that you will be one day, you are now. It's a family we join here on earth as we receive Jesus the Son of God, not one we aspire to belong to in some distant future when perhaps we've managed to get our lives 
sorted out. It'll never happen. Don't wait for that. Just trust Jesus now. And now, today, you will be a child of God. And then uh, John speaks as well of the glory that is yet uh, to come. Notice throughout these verses, uh, the emphasis is on the future. Uh, Dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, uh, and it talks about uh, Jesus coming again when he appears there in 2-2 as well. The Christian story doesn't end with Jesus being born as a baby, nailed to a cross, rising from the dead, and returning to heaven. The great final day is yet to come. And it is the single greatest future event in the history of this planet that will affect every single one of us. It will make global warming and climate change and the fear of conflict and all those other real profound problems we face fade into nothingness because this world will come to an end. There will be a day of judgment and the living and the dead will rise and stand before Jesus Christ who has been appointed as our judge on that day. He will appear again. The world scoffs and says, well, he hasn't been back for 2,000 years. A lot of nonsense that is, pie in the sky when you die. Jesus says, now be assured, the day is coming when I will return. And if we're to be ready on that day, well, we're going to need some of that confidence and assurance, aren't we? We're going to need to know that there's no need of shame because of the one we've trusted here and now, and as John looks ahead to that day, he sees uh, not terror at all, because there's no need for terror, uh, because punishment has been dealt with. Jesus bore it on the cross. Forgiveness has flowed. Love is extended. Now, what that day will bring is the fulfillment of something that we cannot even begin to imagine in terms of its wonder and its joy that we will experience on that day. And John tells us uh, what we will be, that's you and me, normal Christians who've trusted in Christ, what we will be has not yet been made known. So I don't know, and I know that you don't know either. We just know it's going to be wonderful. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. That is perfected in love and purity and holiness and righteousness and joy and all the attributes of God in Christ. We shall be like him and we shall see him. We will be face to face with God, our maker and redeemer in eternity. What on earth is that going to be like? Well, it's not going to be on earth. It's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know, but I know it's going to be wonderful. Are you looking forward to that? Are you longing for the day of his appearing? That's the Christian hope that we have right there. That's a personal hope in the face of our own death and the suffering and the despair all around us. It's a hope we have for the entire cosmos that will be renewed and will enjoy the liberty of the children of God on that final and great day when Jesus comes again. Friends, do you have that hope. That is one of the greatest blessings we have uh, to know that as we go through the dark valleys, the good shepherd is not only alongside us, but is ahead of us in the dawn of a new day that we will share in as we join him who is risen and reigning for all eternity. But what does it mean, though, for us today? These are the blessings, but there are also behaviors. 
We teach these things to our children, don't we? There are great blessings in belonging to every family. And we want our children to know that we love them and we care for them and we'll feed them and we'll teach them. But we also want them to keep their room tidy. And we'd also like them to be ready for church on time on a Sunday morning. There are certain behaviors alongside the blessings that are part of the normal reality of family life. Well, John says it's the same, but profoundly uh, more important in the way we are members of God's family. Your son or daughter of God, wonderful. Here are the blessings. We've named them uh, in these few verses. Well, there are uh, also behaviors. And the first thing is something we've looked at already. It's just continue. Stay Christian. Keep belonging to the church family. Don't think, well, I made a prayer at a Billy Graham rally in 1982, and that's it. I meet people like that, and it's so sad. You received Christ? Well, the evidence of that is that you're continuing in him. Are you a child of God? Then you belong to the family of God. Don't tell me about the past, and don't tell me about your own individual walk that doesn't need the messy reality of the family of God. Now, are you continuing in him and among his other children? That's the first thing we must do. Uh, Second, uh, we have here uh, the stark reminder that we continue in Jesus with lots of opposition. Uh, The world does not know us. Remember, we saw at the beginning of John's gospel, the world didn't know him either, didn't receive uh, or recognize him. You tell your friends uh, who are not Christians that you're a child of God We know the reaction, don't we? Their eyes will either glaze over uh, or they'll pity you, perhaps, for believing such religious claptrap, or they'll mock you uh, for putting your hope in fairies at the end of the garden or something. Uh, The the world does not congratulate us for having Christian faith. It doesn't understand. Uh, The world does not know us any more than it knows him. So as we continue in Christ, we should expect opposition, misunderstanding, cold shoulders, Does that mean we shouldn't continue? Not at all. Does it deny that we are the children of God? Not at all. Who are you going to believe? Your pagan parent or the word of the living God? Your friend who just wants a good laugh or the promise that Jesus makes to you that you are a beloved child of God? Make your choice and make a good one. Continue in him. Know the opposition is coming. And uh, John says twice in this, uh, make sure that you are increasingly framing your life around the teaching and character and purposes of God's son, Jesus. Uh, If you know that he is righteous, and we do, because he's the righteous one who saves us, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See that note there on the evidence? How do we know someone's really a Christian? They say, I'm a Christian. Well, that's wonderful. Well, now show it to me by living in a way that is right. That is by uh, making moral and ethical choices uh, that conform to the word of God and not the prevailing culture of our society. Uh, It means putting to death those sinful instincts that rage on until the old man finally dies. It means, if we're thinking about families... We want to be, if we're dads, the kind of dad that God is. And we want to raise our children to know and love and treasure Jesus Christ. If we know he is righteous, then we will do what is right. And not in order to gain a place in heaven, but because we're heading to heaven. Not because we're trying to become God's children, but because we are. And therefore we want to live like them. 
He says the same uh, at the end of our reading. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself uh, just as he is pure. Now, if you've been following us in the journey on 1 John, uh, you'll know that John has already spoken of purification, and it's the blood of Jesus, chapter 1, verse 7, that purifies us from all sin. Absolutely, that's the bedrock. Ultimately, we cannot purify ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. But as those who have been purified by the blood of Jesus, well, we then need to live under its light and power. We know those things that corrupt our minds, that turn our hearts, and we need to be those who say no to them. And when we fall into the trap and we yield to the temptation, we confess it quickly and we depend on the Lord for renewed power to live lives that are pure and right. This isn't holier than thou. This isn't the life of the Pharisee. This is the life of the person who practices love, not revenge, who turns off the pornography on the television when it comes on. We know the kind of things. He doesn't join in with the gossip uh, in the office. These are the everyday things when we demonstrate that we are children of God. We're heading to eternity. And therefore, with the help of the Lord, we will do the right thing and we will live pure lives. And when we fail, as we will, then we come back to the Lord for fresh forgiveness, always confident that we have no need of shame because we are the children of God, bathed, forgiven in Jesus and his death for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's a lot in here to take in. And we pray that you would bring us first to trust in Jesus. If we've never done that, we might take that step even now of receiving him as your son, as the one who accepts and forgives us, as our risen and reigning king. And Father, when we think of those things that do make us ashamed, please help us to bring them to the cross of Jesus to know our sins forgiven as we make a fresh confession, as we yield anew. And so would you grant, Lord, that we would continue in Jesus, that we would know how much we are loved. By your Holy Spirit, you would lead us to do what is right and to live pure lives, not out of fear, but in joy and of yearning for that day when we shall see him. In his name we pray. Amen.